This podcast is sponsored by Traction Capital Partners, a private investment firm based out of Tacoma, Washington. Traction Capital focuses on acquiring businesses based in the Pacific Northwest that have between $1 and $5 million in earnings. For more information, please visit TractionCP.com. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Alex Bridgman and this is Think Like an Owner. This show seeks out conversations with business owners and investors to learn how to acquire and run companies. For more information, visit alexbridgman.com. I recorded this episode with Michael Berger from Little Engine Ventures and another with Justin Turner from Traction Capital Partners to hear from investors on what's going on in their companies today. I asked Michael what he's seeing in his portfolio companies, community, and what he's been advising his companies to do. I hope this helps you when looking at your own businesses and shed some light on what others are experiencing. Both Michael and Justin have been on this podcast before, and if you want to learn more about them, I recommend listening to those as well, which are episodes 4 and 10 of the podcast, respectively. Also, I'm trying something new with this episode. If you have a follow-up question for Michael, please go to my website at alexbridgman.com, and in this episode's page, there will be a Google form link to ask questions that will be answered in another post. I'll also include a link in the episode description. Enjoy the update from Michael. I'm just going to kind of give you the floor for a few minutes if you want, but like just generally, what are you seeing with portfolio companies? What are you hearing from them? And then perhaps what are you recommending they do? Yeah. So um, what we're hearing from our little engine ventures portfolio companies is that business for the most part is trying to operate as normal as possible. Um, we're the particular businesses that we've been in and we could get into, you know, some specific examples if you want um, Alex on, um, what's happening in a few different places. There's some, there's some interesting things. I think they're coming up with some clever, uh, workarounds and things like that. But for the most part, our customers are still working, um, or we're in industries where stuff is needed. Um, we're not heavy into restaurants. Um, our brewery's tap room is the, the closest thing, but in, in Indiana, the, the bars and, uh, restaurants have been shut down, but are allowed to do carry out. And we've been doing carry out. Um, some of them are doing, are promoting delivery. Uh, we have really good partners in uh, our distributor and um, the grocery stores and liquor stores and stuff like that. So we're not doing uh, promoting delivery. We're saying go pick up a six pack of Fountain Square when you, you're out getting toilet paper or whatever else. So we want to make sure we promote those relationships and, and those things. So yeah, um, there's, there's more, there's more kind of individual stories like that, but overall it's um, for the most part, business is as normal. We're trying to We'd say like we're going to be the best social distancing version of uh, of whatever business we're in, and there's certainly certainly going to be stuff coming and um, that, but it hasn't hasn't hit us um, as massively as it's hit some other people um, as as immediately. And I think that's some some luck on, on t- towards our direction, and it's um, and it's some good. Hopefully, it's some good planning and um, having a good good solid business and good relationships with customers and. Uh, things like that as well. So it's some mix. Are there a few individual stories from companies you've heard that are being perhaps a little more interesting or creative with how they adapt? Uh, yeah, I thought our, our, our glass shop auto glass repair. So, um, the we're still doing, uh, people are still breaking windows. Um, we'll see if people aren't driving as much, uh, how that, uh, lowers, but people still, um, are still got to get around for groceries and, uh, work and stuff. We're not totally shut down here in Indiana, but we're, so like we've staggered, um, we have a guy that comes in and sets up all the glass for the day's jobs already. He leaves and the, the techs now don't simultaneously arrive and 
chat and then go out, they, they are staggered. So one guy comes in and gets going. The next, the next guy comes in after that. So all our routes are just staggered so they can alternate their start times and stuff. Um, obviously the techs have to interact with customers, but at their home or business, but that includes quite a variety of, uh, places and there's plenty of distance and things like that. So yeah, that's, that's what's like happening. And that's as interesting, I guess, uh, as auto glass, uh, can get, but I thought that was a good solution. Um, all of our, uh, customer service reps and the manager are working from home, not cause they don't want to be in the, on the front lines, but that way it keeps it safe for everybody else. We shut down the lobby. So if you want to bring your car to us, uh, which we'd rather go to you, but if you'd rather come to us, you just have to drop it off and we'll get it the next, we'll get it the next day. Our tool and die shop. I've joked. The guys in the tool and die shop have been practicing social distancing as a, as a life pattern for, you know, uh, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and so you kind of can't tell a difference there. They like to go in, work on their machines. Um, they like to keep things neat and tidy and, uh, and do a good job. The tool and die shop are our customers or manufacturers. So thankfully we have a very diverse customer base, but as, especially some of our larger, our larger customers, um, here, uh, Subaru, the Subaru plant announced they're going to be shut down, uh, next week for one week. No particular, uh, you know, no case there or anything like that. Um, I think it's as, I think it's as much trying to manage their inventory levels for anticipated demand as, as anything else. And so they'll be shut down, but, um, they're going to, I think they're going to be doing some maintenance things. So that might actually means a little bit more work for us, but, um, yeah, obviously if their equipment isn't running, their, their tooling won't be breaking or wearing down, um, as much as fast. But again, the, the effects will be felt later, but we've, we've been getting good. We've been getting new jobs coming in, um, this week and, uh, things like that. Is there a business that you've seen do better than you perhaps expected? It would in two ways, the, the brewery, the first man, it, things seem so long ago. They aren't actually that long ago. This last weekend, yes, uh, we actually had an up weekend at the tap room, uh, cause people came in. And so we were, that kind of freaked us out. So we had conversations Sunday morning and Sunday by Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, we went to carry out only. And then Wednesday afternoon, the governor of Indiana actually mandated that, um, bars and uh, restaurants go to carry out only. So we wanted to lead well. In that, uh, kind of remove the allure of having a place to go out to, uh, but still be able to serve our, serve our customers and serve the local community there in the Fountain Square area of Indy. That was good. And then, um, the customers have responded. So, uh, carry out has been good. People realize we've, I think our manager, Luke, there has communicated really well to, uh, social media and other things of what our hours are and, um, what we recommend. And yeah, we didn't do it for, we did it for the, the safety of the, of the people that shouldn't have been in our establishment. Um, but then I think that, I think people recognize that, that leadership, Luke's leadership there and, and, and doing that. And that's at least part of why they're supporting our business in the, in that time. Are any of your companies strapped for cash or having to use lines of credit or borrow in other ways? Nothing beyond, again, at this point, nothing beyond the, the normal. Um, so no, we, we have done the acquisitions and been very light users of, of debt in those ways. So yeah, no, we're pretty, we're pretty well set for that. I mean, that's the part I, I think we, Daryl, the rest of the team can, you know, that's the planning. Um, part of it, you know, some things are luck, they're outside of our control, but I think that's, that's the being ready, um, for, you know, positive opportunities, but being able to, it was hope what we hope to be able to spend some of that cash on, but, um, we're ready to, to move 
to move forward if things slow down for a little bit here. And, um, so yeah, like at the brewery, we, we promised our, our servers that normally work for, you know, very minimum below minimum wage, but with tips and we promised them an above minimum wage base and, and stuff like that. So that will hurt our profitability probably, but we'll be all right. Again, everything else is we have, uh, businesses that are pretty solid in the fundamentals think and we can, be ready to weather a storm or even grow in some aspects once things kind of settle out here and we figure out where everything's where everything's at. So what sorts of things are you lining up in preparation for perhaps deeper negative effects or like you said, some opportunities to come along? Um, right now, I don't know that we're we're lining up uh, anything super specific. I think we're spending extra time to make sure we know where everything's at. All the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. So it's a good test of those systems of communication. Um, so how's accounts receivable? How do how well do we know how our customers are doing? Um, what's the likelihood that, of them being able to pay on time? Do we need to um, we're trying to be proactive and say, are you going to need some time? We sent a note to um, several vendors and said, hey, we plan to honor our commitments. Uh, we plan to pay our bills on time. If you are offering uh, discounts or other opportunities to to others, we take advantage of those those things. But if you if you know of others that need opportunities, um, you know, we'd be glad to talk with them either at the individual company level or even at the little engine ventures level thing. So we're just trying to be aware line things up. Again, I think good communication is what we're trying to tell everybody. So you're not instructing companies to delay rent payments or anything like that? Nope. Not at, not at this point. Um, we, we think we, we want to be good, good partners to the folks that we're, we're in business with. We know they're in a tough spot. We're okay. Um, I don't, we're looking at, you know, we look at like we always do though. We look at expenses. What are the expenses we really need and what are we likely to need, you know, going forward? So, we're adjusting, you know, some of those things, but, uh, the tool and die shop, we haven't had issues with getting material metals and, um, and stuff in though. I mean, that's potentially a, a concern, um, but we're not, we're not stockpiling, uh, anything either. Cause we got, but we have a few different options. I think right now is what levers do you have? And I'm, I'm thankful that we have quite a few levers in each of the businesses. And so we're just testing a little bit like, Hey, does that lever still work? And, and how far could that lever go? How far would we be comfortable pushing it? But yeah, we haven't made any, any massive directives. Would you be able to talk about a few of the levers you're testing or thinking about using? Yeah. Kind of scenario planning. Um, I mean, in, in most of our, in most of our businesses, uh, salaries, staffing is the, you know, biggest expense, um, in a, in a lot of them. And so, you know, it's looking at, uh, well, like I talked about the, the brewery production staff, front of the house staff. Um, what are the staffing levels that we need? You always have some people coming and going, you know, we had already decided in one business where, um, a s- staff member was going to leave. I think next Friday is supposed to be his last day. It's still going to be his last day as far as I know. Um, but we'd already decided we weren't going to backfill that position right away. We were thinking about restructuring, um, his role. And so we had said, let's go a couple of months and see where we really feel the pain. And like, that's, um, that's a, that's another staffing lever we use quite, we're small businesses. So we have, uh, vendors that are almost like staff and, you know, contracts with, uh, with them. So the good things, why we do a lot of that is because we can variableize needs as they, as they go up and down. We're trying to communicate with them and say, Hey, if this happens, we might, 
you know, have less. Um, in some cases, we might need you a little bit more or or we might just need to shift the load. I think that's right now, you know, for this base core stuff that we're in, construction is still happening. So dumpsters are still needed. Um, farmers, I uh, Farmers are going to plant corn, right? We're coming up on planting season. They can safely plant corn. They're plenty socially distanced uh, when they're doing that. And so, and people are still going to eat. Animals are still going to need food. So they're still going to plant a lot of corn. And um, so we, we, we got to get that seed corn out and get it in the ground. And That was something I was thinking about hearing other companies suspending rent payments or payments to other vendors is that you risk, and this could be naive of me perhaps, but you risk damaging the relationship with that vendor or landlord in the future. And it, it sounds like you're, you've at least prepared your company so you don't have to do that. So is that relationship a bigger part of the, your thinking or is it more that you've just prepared your company so you don't have to do that? It's the former, but we do it because it's the former. We do it because of the latter. So, uh, because those, we know those relationships for the long haul is why we prepare to be able to be in those relationships, um, for the long haul. So yeah, we, we rent most of our facilities. We own one building. So yeah, we're, uh, rent besides, uh, salaries, rent is, is usually a significant, um, piece of, of the expenses and, and is one that is more difficult to variableize for different different workloads so yeah so that's something we kind of bake into the model is like well we're gonna we're gonna have this it's a fixed you know it's a fixed cost somebody said yeah they think of they think of rent as a as another form of debt right because you've got an obligation to make a payment at what point does this crisis get get worse to the point where you have to take more drastic measures i think that's a hard thing to to quantify like would sales have to you know drop off 50 percent and if it was, I mean, it's different if it's, if sales drop off 50% for, you know, 90% for two weeks, cause you know, everything shuts down, but then it, but then it bounces back up. Like there'll be a cost to restarting the machine. Then that's different than on the other end of the spectrum would be, uh, maybe for a re if we go two years with just this level of uncertainty. And so people are doing stuff but they're a little more nervous about it. So there's a little bit, the sales cycle is a little bit longer. Um, so costs are a little bit higher. Um, and so revenues get delayed just a little bit. And so we're, we're, we're living in that for two years. Like that's a, both of those could be very severe, but in totally different ways. It's uh it's a hard question to answer. And where I don't think we we're saying we're taking it, you know, week by week, month by month. And the, the long-term plans are still, are still the same. We think we have fundamentally good businesses that work in all sorts of uh, economic periods. Doesn't do a whole lot of good to have super detailed nine-month plans uh, at any time, it's, but especially right now when, uh, when stuff, when stuff can change. So uh, you make the, you make the best decisions and you lead, take the next, you know, best step. Think big, act small. We use that phrase around dream big. What could be? But then just do the next best thing that, that moves you towards that goal. You had the video conference with the various business owners around your area a few days ago. Um, and you posted on Twitter and it was fun to join that for a little bit. What are you hearing from others in your area? Yeah, I'm glad that you could be on, on that call. It was, uh, it was fun. The, the matchbox uh, folks helped set that up. I don't know. We probably had 20, 25 people over the course of an hour or so that hopped on at least for a, for a portion. And I mean, Everybody from a, a lady that runs a, a pottery studio and, uh, I mean, she sells pottery, but she also does a lot of classes, especially for kids. Um, so like she was debating 
Well, you know, my, my studio, I don't do large classes and kids are home from school. And if a mom wanted to bring her family over, like I'd disinfect it. But then do I look like I'm putting people at risk for doing those things? If I try to do those things and, you know, again, that was, man, that was five days ago. And it seems like it was two years ago. What's option? What options do I have? How do I get creative about this? An event venue manager was on the call. And I mean, he's just been wiped out. Uh, you know, there's nothing on his calendar now for the next six weeks. And he's got a big space that he's got rent to pay on and stuff like that. So you know, he's one that's, you know, more immediately hit and trying to think of creative ideas to utilize the space or his skill sets or his equipment, his gear and stuff. Yeah. A lot of folks that are hit a lot more immediately and harder. It ranges, right? I was, I was in at Matchbox just for a little bit today and there's just a couple of folks in there working that need the space. And one of the members was telling me his brother owns a number of restaurants and he had to lay off 1400 people yesterday. And I just can't imagine that. He's like, you know, worst day of his life. I'm very thankful to be in the position that I'm in and uh, don't, don't take it for, don't take it for granted. A lot of folks are having it a lot worse here in Lafayette and around, but um, at the same time, I, there is, there's a lot of good things happening too. So I, other things are continuing on. Everything is not shutting down. It just depends on, you have to look at your, all parts of the world around you and, and globally too, and kind of try to keep everything in perspective. I think then you can lead well um, through that. Um, if you have that information and that perspective. Have you been hearing from any of your LPs? We, we had a call with our three member advisory committee. They're all part of our, our limited partners. Um, but it was the normally scheduled one. Um, obviously it contained a, a bit of COVID discussion besides a few other business items that we had to take, but we had discussion with those three. Um, but actually Daryl and I were talking, um, man, we, we love our limited partners. They're almost all business owners themselves. And, uh, no, we haven't. I, I take that as a sign of trust. Um, I take that as a sign of they know we're busy and working hard. And we've, we've heard a few, I mean, a few things, uh, here and there, but more of like, Hey, check this out. I thought it might be helpful if you want to pass this along to your team. Um, and that's great. They're just trying to be helpful, but not be, uh, uh, a burden. Um, uh, we've had a couple that have, uh, contributed cash and, um, uh, made additions. So they're, uh, they think Little Engine is ready to do well in this. And I'm excited for that. Uh, as well, that, that vote of confidence. Um, again, there's, there's no guarantees for anybody, but I think we're good position in this. So, and it's good to have their back and that they have our back. How are you communicating with your LPs through this? And have you kind of been notifying your LPs leading up to this, that there could be some issues or they're just kind of preparing them for this? Daryl's quarterly letter, uh, is set to go out here in another, whatever week or two, two-ish weeks. Um, and we decided just to keep to that cadence. So again, business has been fairly normal or within the realm, realm of normal. Um, and so anything, um, that we would report would be that things are normal and that, um, you know, that we're preparing for all sorts of scenarios. Um, but we don't have anything to report or anything yet because nothing's, um, nothing's happened. So we decided it was best to, um, since we didn't have a ton of them reaching out to us other than for some, a few helpful, uh, resources that we would keep to our normal cadence and we're calm. They're calm. Um, let's, we, we think we have good communication channels and, and cadences anyway. So like, let's, let's lean into the structures that we already have. Um, we don't have to rapidly try to build a scaffolding 
um, which is partly why we put some of those structures in place. Honestly, when we had fewer LPs and I mean, we're still a small fund, but so, um, it's just now starting to feel like all that structure that we put in place is not overkill. But again, that's, I think, trying to be forward looking and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, I haven't even seen a draft of Daryl's quarterly report, uh, letter yet, but, um, uh, I'm sure it'll be a good one. <laughs> it'll be, it'll, it'll be memorable. I'm sure. How's your deal flow changed? Are you still seeing, are, are there deals that are coming up because of the crisis or is it kind of business as normal in that area too? It, there have, we have not been inundated with, uh, oh man, we're going to go bankrupt, save us little engine ventures, right? It hasn't happened yet. Um, I think the businesses that we would be interested in and we would be able to help, you know, probably aren't having that uh, situation yet. Um, but that could, that could happen and, we're open to talk with those business. I'm open to talk with any business owner if I can be helpful. Um, I don't know, you know, an acquisition at, at this time, um, certainly open to it, but, um, no one should be making a, a rash, uh, decision in, in this time. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm been, I've talked with a few business owners that, uh, you know, we're not really having explicit deal discussions. That's just kind of the status of, of, of things normally. So I would say some stuff has slowed down you know, inbound deal flow, maybe a little bit. We talked to, I mean, we talked to quite a few, few business owners in the course, in the course of a week, but normal to maybe a little slower, but it's not, the slowness isn't outside of the normal, you know, ebb and flow uh, of that either too. So the, all the conversations are, are, are tinged with a little bit, just like we did, you know, the first five minutes is how you doing? How's your family? Uh, kids home from school? Uh, what, you know, it, it's all that, um, uh, kind of, kind of stuff, but then you get down to business and say, all right, cool. Well, um, in fact, I, I just, I like it now that we're, we're into like the default is a video conference. So it's not that, Ooh, do I ask them if we should meet? I don't know. Um, in person, what are they doing? Like pretty much everybody's like the default is we're, we're going to video conference. Um, and so it's just, are you doing zoom or Google hangouts or, you know, like, like that. Um, we're not wasting time on, on the other stuff. I remember in our, in our first podcast, you said you limit an LP's investment to a million dollars at most. Do you think that kind of limiting factor has made it easier on your LPs knowing that their entire net worth isn't wrapped up in LEV? Uh, yeah, I'm sure that does have, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I, I think that does have a, an impact. Um, saying that we have a minimum of 250 and, and so, and again, I think it's not so much the absolute dollar amount, it's the percentage of net worth and just also the temperament of how you think about money. And so for some of our LPs that came in at the minimum, they've got a higher percentage of their net worth um, in little engine than some of the folks that came in at, at higher amounts. Um, and so we definitely, uh, take that very seriously that this is long-term generational wealth that they're trying to create and want to, um, uh, are trying to provide for their families. Um, but it is also long-term and we said there's, you know, over the course of the time that we want to do this, um, there will be times, you know, again, the specifics, this is a very unique situation. Um, but, there are these, these kinds of things and we're going to, we're going to come through it. And I think we've been trying to be very upfront with folks about that. And I think that's partially why um, we have it, but I think that a lot of comes down to temperament and small business owners um, that have like a lot of our LPs have 30, 40 years of small business ownership experience. They've, 
Um, they've seen more than I have. I rely on, on that. We're, we're banking on, on that. That's why all the dollars aren't, um, aren't created equal. For the LPs that contribute extra capital during this time, is there any, um, any place for that capital to go until you make an acquisition either within your portfolio companies or would you consider um, investing in public companies? Like, Is there something you could do with it today if you had extra or as LPs add? Yeah, um, we uh, since the very beginning, we've always held some marketable securities. Um, so, uh, yeah, we have uh, investments into into public companies. And frankly, there's some stuff on sale right now that I think is still pretty good. We're a little bit different. We always call committed capital right away, not on a deal basis. It's part of how we do a deal quickly is we have the cash ready to go. So we have baked into our model that we know we're going to sit on some cash. Um and so we, some of that goes into investing in public companies as a, they're just sound good business. We're, we're here about buying good businesses. Um, what we talk about, uh, and is the majority of our capital is, is acquiring controlling interest in private companies, but we like good businesses, public, private, wherever, wherever they are. And we like being owners. We think of most people don't think this way. I think people listening to this podcast probably do, but if you own shares in a, in a company, you're an owner of that business. Yeah. So that's how, that's how we think about it. Um, so yeah. And then we can just to, you know, make some return on those dollars because the public markets, as I look at it, just provide a smaller working unit, um, to buy, buy into those businesses than, um, doing a controlling acquisition. So part of it's just managing the liquidity at the fund level. So we can, um, we can own the best businesses uh, available. Yeah. That's, that's a little more how the, the public stuff is a little more kind of how the sausage is made or the internal workings of, managing liquidity in the fund. Um, I don't need deal flow help on, uh, the public companies. So I, uh, you know, I, I mainly blabber on about small businesses, but, um, it's most of my background, my experiences. I leave Daryl to do the, uh, the public stuff, and enjoy it, but, um, I'm about good businesses wherever they are, whatever size we're, right now we're in a position to do most with the smallest ones. We've always said like little engine isn't supposed to stay little. Um, it's supposed to be a 40 year joke. Well, hopefully it'll, it'll become a joke um, a little bit sooner than 40 years. But is there anything that you're able to take away from this that helps kind of influence your plans in the future for when you acquire a company that there's sort of a few extra steps you now want to do with new companies that come in to help them prepare for like significant revenue disruption like we've seen? I, again, it's probably not anything totally new yet that I've learned, but probably it, this has helped reinforcing some lessons um, or some some things that I would say, yeah, I knew that, but oh wow, yeah. So customer concentration, you know, is has always been a thing that we look at, and by what even uh, vectors they are concentrated. So I think I mentioned our tool and die shop uh, has pretty low customer concentration. It's one of the better businesses we've bought in that. Um, in that regard now that, but they're all fairly geographically concentrated. So different types of manufacturers, different sizes of manufacturers, uh, but they're all basically fairly close to Lafayette, Indiana. So if, a if government or city county officials, you know, issue a, a stop, then not only are we stopped, but all of our, almost all of our customers are stopped. Right. So there's that, that concentration, but overall I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that risk because we have other businesses with, with a lot uh, worse customer concentration issues, but it's reminding of some, some things where are we susceptible and every business has them. It's just, if you know them and then again, you know what levers you have to, to work around them. 
Is there anything that you would do with your companies to prepare them for things like this that people kind of looked at you funny or that was a little bit overkill and now you're kind of you feel vindicated? About three months ago, we we made some pretty significant staffing changes with management and in some of the businesses and. Um, it was hard. Good people that uh, changed roles or even exited out of the little engine system. But it was in some cases they did a good job for the time that they were in. And but then the job was kind of done and we got to we can't keep you around if we're not providing value in the in the business. And we helped them transit. I think I think, you know, <laughs> others may think differently. I think we we did it with with warning and with uh, um, as much help as we could provide in those. So those were hard discussions that we had. Um, but uh, this week, I've been really glad. Um, I've been really glad that we had those discussions of several months ago, and not not this week. That hey, we gotta we're we're over we're, we got too much overhead here or things like that. So cleaning those things up. I know on a small like on a small scale thing we didn't do. Uh, we talked back in December at our roll off dumpster that we needed to um, sell one to two trucks, and it just kind of was always the low item on the priority list to get those. They got to get fixed up a little bit before we list them. And eh, we just didn't kind of get around to it. And so, you know what? We're going to list them. So I don't know yet if they'll, if we won't get much for them, or if there'll be nobody interested. Um, but I would rather, I'd rather have the cash right now. I wish we had sold them in January or February. All things being equal, we probably would have gotten a better price then. Um, so if we just stayed on top of that, that thing, it's, it's a small item, but it's all the little things that, that add up. To conclude, is there anything that you're looking out for or paying really close attention to that might change what you do with your companies? Let's look for opportunities here. I mean, even in, I, I've been telling folks uh, from back the 08, 09 uh, timeframe, uh, my software firm at that time had done a lot of work in manufacturing, uh, kind of automatic data collection capture software and things like that. And that almost all dried up in those businesses. And that's actually when Daryl and I, uh, we met in 07, I think, and then started working. He started contracting to me and I don't remember exactly, but it was around 08, 09. And cause commodity prices were, were the one thing that were up then farmers uh, were getting more for a bushel of corn than they had ever before. They had cash. There were ag retailers and agribusiness people that were ready to uh, take that and um, use that. So ag equipment sales went up, but ag software and uh, things, things like that, that coincided with um, you know, the, the move to software as a service and the lower cost computing. And so, the uh, those two trend lines hitting meant that my software firm grew, uh, when everybody else, now we were, you know, we're still small, we're even smaller, you know, but we were even smaller then. Um, so you can, you got to be aware of the macros, but when you're as little as that, you can move into little pockets of, uh, of opportunity. Um, so I don't know. That's what I've been thinking about. The The circumstances are totally different for why we're in this downturn as it was in 08, 09. Uh, so the, the results won't be the same, but I think it's the same type of thing is be proactive, be on the look, see who needs help. If you're solving people's real problems, they tend to not uh, they tend to pay those bills. If you, you find out pretty quickly, if you weren't solving a real problem for them. Um, so just look for real problems that you can solve in your businesses and look at what you're raw skill sets are. I don't know. Before we got on this call, Daryl and I had this text message thread going where, I don't know, he's he's always got some idea and he's ready for LTD, our, our tool and die shop to start making ventilators or whatever. And I'm like, uh, maybe, I, I don't know. Let's, you know, maybe that's what we can, maybe that's what we can do. You know, um, we'll see.
Thanks, Michael, for the time. I hope you guys weather everything pretty well and things go smoothly for you here and out. Oh, thank you, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Hopefully what's going on in my world is uh, somewhat helpful to some of your listeners. I know I've gotten to connect to several of them. That you've got a cool, uh, cool group of folks that listen to the podcast and uh, all small business owners are kind of, uh, even though we're doing our own thing, we're kind of in it together kind of the only ones that can understand the exact situation. So glad to, glad to get on and chat. Thanks for uh, the community that you're building here. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. For more information, including show notes, transcripts, and other links, please visit alexbridgman.com.